Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through His Word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. Today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 6, Alan and I together, and we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses. Again, I emphasize to you, know the first five chapters as we come into chapter 6. And always understand there's not a chapter and verse division in the originals. The first eight chapters that we designate as the first eight chapters are really one unit presenting the gospel, uh, what the gospel really is from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 8 about a life in the Spirit. And it's a life in the Spirit that breaks the bondage of sin as believers. And so we're going to start seeing some of that understanding here in chapter 6. And the first 14 verses are extremely important to understand that it is the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin, not the law. And this is setting a foundation for chapter 7 and in chapter 8, a life in the Spirit with a relationship with God. And so we're going to see this so powerfully as we go through these three chapters, 6, 7, and 8. But let's start with the first 14 verses. We're going to take one verse at a time. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? And of course, he says, may it never be. This is a response. If you go back to chapter 5, verse 20, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So when you hear a statement like that, some people may think, well, let me go on sinning so that the grace of God would become greater in my life. So let's go back to the first verse of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? Are we to practice sin or to be in bondage to sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we, talking about us, the believers, who died to sin, still live in it? Remember, when we come to God by His grace, it's repentance from sin that leads us to a faith in Jesus Christ where the righteousness of God is poured out upon our, our lives, and now we're not to live the same life. We're not to practice sin. We're not to live in sin. We have a new life, and may we never think in that way. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Let's go to verses 3 and 4 that's going to use the understanding of water baptism of how we should live our lives. Paul says in verse 3, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? He is using the analogy of water baptism to illustrate to us how we live our lives for God. He is saying as we were immersed into Christ Jesus that we need to understand that we have been baptized, immersed into his death. Now look at the next verse. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. He's talking about the old life. 
the sinful life that had a bondage, had us in bondage and took a hold of our lives, we need to understand that we have buried that, we have baptized that, and it has been baptized and to never rise again within our lives. It has been buried. When you bury something, it needs to stay in the ground. Again, verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. The old life is to be buried. It's never to come back. And we as believers need to walk in a new life, a new understanding, a life that is focused upon God. And what does Jesus say to his disciples? You cannot be my disciple unless you deny yourself, take up your own cross, and follow me. It is a life of repentance that leads us to faith in Christ, and discipleship is all about surrendering the old life and taking a new life to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a life of victory. It's a life of joy. It is a life of peace. It is a life of hope. It is a life that we're walking, understanding that we have been justified before God. Why would we go back to the old life? Let's walk in the newness of life. As believers, this is what God expects from us, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit within us when we get to chapter 8. Yeah, I like the way Paul puts this, and I think it's it's getting at, you know, when you when you accept Christ, you accept Him as your Savior, redeeming us from our sins, but He's also our Lord. He's our Lord and Savior. So how could you say that He's my Savior, but not my Lord, and not following His commands and still living in a sinful life? If you're still doing that and continuing that, He's really not the Lord of your life, just kind of making Him your Savior. And I think Paul's getting at that, that that it doesn't work that way. If you're going to get baptized into Christ Jesus, you're also baptized into death as well. So they both go hand in hand. Yes, and when we look at verse 4, the same is being said about his resurrection. Jesus being raised from the dead is like us coming out of the water with a new understanding that we have been raised in newness of life. And this is a new life. We are a new creation in Christ, and our lives belong to God. It's not that we go back and say, well, let us sin more so that the grace of God may increase within our lives. May it never be. Just the opposite should be the focus of our lives. We have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We are justified before God. Now we are to die to ourselves, and we are to come alive for God in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in chapter 8, it's going to be by a life in the Spirit. Let's continue down these verses here. Verse 5, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Just like Jesus died and rose again, we need to die to ourself, die to the old life, and raised in newness of life. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. This is something that is so important, and these thoughts are going to be very important as we come into chapter 7, that as a believer, I do not live in sin anymore. I'm not in bondage to sin. I'm not a slave to sin because of God's grace. 
When we come to verse 14, it is the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin. So Jesus did not die upon the cross so that I can live in sin. Jesus died upon the cross to raise me to newness of life so the bondage of sin can be broken in my life. Grace does not increase because I go on living in sin. No, the grace of God breaks the bondage of sin that I don't have to be a slave to sin. I can be a slave to righteousness that he is going to state later on in this chapter. This is not talking about never sinning, that I never do something wrong. What this is talking about is slavery, bondage practicing evil, living in sin, as a follower of Christ, that has been broken within my life. Now I am free to live for God, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I do have the power, and Alan has the power, and anyone that has genuinely come to God through faith in Christ from the heart, we have the power through God's Spirit to live a life unto God. Not to the world, but unto God. That doesn't mean I don't ever sin, but I'm not in bondage to sin. And when we get to 1 John, John's first letter that he's going to write is going to make the distinction between sin and bondage to sin and living in sin. Paul is doing the same thing here. We cannot live in sin and say that we belong to God. And Scott, we talk about this a lot, and you said it on the podcast, but in verse 5, you know, he says, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And can you view that as that double meaning? We are resurrected with Christ here in this life, and then we will also be resurrected in our physical bodies with him when he when his return. Yes, I believe so, because when we get to chapter 8, he's going to talk about this physical resurrection. All of creation waits its redemption, the redemption of our bodies. And yes, specifically, is talking about this newness of life by God's Spirit that has come within us. Now, that's in chapter 8, that we walk a new life, not as the old life. And when you look at verse 6, the old self was crucified with him. Every believer needs to understand that the old life is crucified, and there's a new life that is to be lived for God, and we are no longer to be slaves to sin. Let's read verse 6 again. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Jesus did not just come to forgive sins. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And that's what we're going to see in 1 John when we get to that letter. Verse 7, For he who has died is free from sin. What am I dying to? My old self, my old life. That's what repentance is. I'm repenting and coming to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And God is going to change me from the inside out, and it is a new life. Now, let's come to verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. Jesus is not coming back to die again for sin. He died once and for all, and death no longer is master over him. He is victorious. He has been raised from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life, and he has raised us in newness of life. Verse 10, 
For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives unto God. Even so, this is the point in verse 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't want to go back to that life. There's not anything that is in my past life that should be drawing me back to that life. I have been raised in a newness of life to live unto God and let God be glorified in our lives and let there be a life that is submitted to God, a daily walk with Him, a daily denying myself, picking up my own cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a new life for every believer, and this is the focus of our lives. Verses 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. He's speaking to believers. Verse 13. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, like you did in the past. Don't go on doing that. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Everything in my life, everything I possess, everything about my life, it is for the glory of God. Not any aspect of it should be going back to the past. Now, when you look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, one of the most important statements, I believe, that has been said about a believer and how we live our lives before God. Paul says this, and remember remember Galatians is written nine years earlier, but every principle that's in Galatians is coming out in Romans as well. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But it is Christ who lives in me. In this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave up his life for me. So as a believer, I am to die. I'm dead. My life doesn't exist anymore. What Paul is saying, I no longer live, but it's all about Christ who lives within me, and I'm going to walk by faith in him, the one who loved me and gave up his life for me. So when you understand that, there's not anything in the past we can go back to as an individual because we have died. And everything in our lives now is about glorifying God through the Lord Jesus Christ that lives with inside of us. So look at this verse again. Let me read it. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. That's what we did in the past life. But present yourselves unto God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14, the last verse that we're going to talk about. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now go back to the understanding of what the law did in the previous chapter. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. 
The increase is talking about how it makes it utterly sinful and the awareness of what sin is and right and wrong becomes so clear. So the law was given so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So some would see that as saying, oh, let me go on and live in sin so that the grace of God would become even greater and that the grace of God would increase. It's just the opposite. As you come to verse 14, for sin shall not be master over you. What does that mean? Sin shall not control your life. Sin is not your master. It is not the one that's telling you what to do. This sinful nature that we have that tries to keep us in bondage and slavery to the things of the world, the things of the devil, it is not going to be master over us anymore as believers. And again, I want to say that does not mean that we do not sin, but we're talking about who is in control of our lives, who is giving us orders, what has authority over our lives as believers. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law. Law doesn't break the bondage of sin. For you are not under law, but under grace. It is the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin through Jesus Christ our Lord, through a life in the Spirit. This is what we're going to see in chapters 7 and 8. Chapter 7 is going to be a dialogue of the law trying to break the bondage of sin and dealing with the sinful nature, and the law cannot do that. Only through Jesus Christ our Lord can the sin in our lives that holds us in bondage be broken in his name and give us a life in the Spirit where we can cry out, Abba, Father. A relationship with God through a circumcised heart, through a life in the Spirit where we know God, we know His forgiveness, and we have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but a spirit of adoption whereby as children we cry out, Abba, Father. The law condemns us because we look at our lives and it makes sin utterly sinful. And we look at our lives and we see the sinful nature within us and the law doesn't break the bondage of sin. Only Jesus Christ can break that bondage and give us everlasting life, eternal life, and a life in the Spirit. And I think you said it a little bit earlier, Scott, but there's such a freedom when you do give up your life and give it up to Christ and follow His direction for it. And you just think about God the Father how much he cares about us, cares about you, sends his son to die for you. You know, why wouldn't he have your best interest in mind if he was going to do that much for you on the front end? And then when you do accept them, the guidelines he lays out for for life are are all principles that, that are better for you, that are better for people around you that glorify his name. And what better life can you live than to glorify the name of God and the name of Jesus Christ? And we get so short-sighted on temporary things here in this life, and you look at this 80 years, that it's really nothing in the scheme of eternity. And God is setting us up for ruling and reigning and being with him for eternity. Yeah, it just comes to mind, I think, and this has always kind of been in my mind as a kid. I heard someone say, if you took a little square of sandpaper, a lot of woodworkers use it to finish it. But if you get on the highest mountain... You take off the rough edges. Yeah. Yes. But if you got on the high, you say Mount Everest and got a piece of sandpaper and sanded that down, I mean, how long would that take? Who knows? Millions of years. But that's not even the first glimpse of eternity. And it's just wild when we think, you know, we're so concerned with this 80 years here and me, 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 and just our flesh, you know, wants to grab onto that. But that's just a drop in the bucket of what God has in store for us, of living a life 
dead to ourselves and for him when we get this chance to do it now. Now is the time that we can. Yes, and we're not promised tomorrow. And then when we look at eternity, this is eternity with God. And we look at the things of God, of what God always intended to be, that we will live in that perfect kingdom. And don't forget that this is through a life in the Spirit. It's not just uh, reasoning about, let's think about eternity versus the temporal things of this life. We know that within our minds, but it's really being changed from the inside out. And that's why Romans 8 is so important when we get there. And it's probably my most favorite chapter in the New Covenant Scriptures. Because this life in the Spirit is a relationship with God that we know Him as Abba Father. And then when we don't even know how to pray, it's the Holy Spirit Himself that intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so when we look at this life in the Spirit, it is everything about a believer— A believer is being led by the Spirit of God. A believer is one that is not walking in sin, living in sin, practicing sin, but a person that is where a person where the bondage of sin is broken and we walk in victory and newness of life. Let's read verse 14 one more time and then we'll have some concluding remarks. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Again, it is the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin. Therefore, when you're looking at what Paul is saying, this is part of the gospel. This should be fundamental, foundational to our understanding of God's grace. God's grace breaks the bondage of sin over our lives. So why do we still have churches today that still preach that I have a faith in God, but I'm still living in sin and I'm a child of God? What they're talking about is a head knowledge that says, I believe in Jesus, but they've never been changed from the inside out where the bondage of sin is broken and they're walking in newness of life. So I'm living in sin. I'm living with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, and I say that I have faith in Christ and that I'm a follower of Christ. That is a lie. If you have faith in Christ, and remember in Romans 10, is that with the heart man believes. So a faith in Christ means that we die to the old life and we're raised in newness of life. We're not going to live in sin anymore. We're not going to be like 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where the young man was sleeping with his father's wife. That does not belong within the body of Christ. That man had to be excommunicated. He had to be kicked out so he could understand, you do not belong to the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ is one that has embraced God's grace through faith in Christ, and we have died to sin and raised in newness of life, and by God's grace... We're not living in sin anymore. That is what is being said here. So a church that preaches, well, as long as you have a faith, talking about a head knowledge, and it doesn't translate to your life, it's separating your faith from your life, that is not the gospel. The gospel is, is that with the heart man believes, and when I have believed in him, my life belongs to God, and now I have died to sin and I'm raised in newness of life, and I'm going to live a life by God's Spirit that indwells me. And so this is fundamental to the gospel. 
And so if you're going to a church that says, okay, this person has faith. They were baptized 30 years ago, but they've been living in addiction for the last 30 years, but they're still saved. That's not the gospel. You need to get away from that teaching, and you need to get to this understanding that we are a new creation in Christ, and we have been called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the way, the truth, and the life, and He is the way to the Father, and His life is our life, and we are to deny ourselves, take up our own cross, and follow Him, and it's through a life in the Spirit that we can live a life of victory. And the grace of God does not give us the power to live in sin. It is the grace of God that breaks the bondage of sin in our lives. This is fundamental to the gospel. And if you are in a congregation that doesn't understand that, then they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand the basics of the gospel. And you need to get out of that context, and you need to get into a context that understands the gospel. What an incredible life that we can live by the power of Jesus Christ within us and a life that brings glory to God. That is the only life that has significance. Let's pray. Alan, can you lead us and close us in prayer? Dear Lord, we just thank you, God, for your word, Lord, and we thank you for this chapter and these verses, God, and just let them seep into our hearts, Lord. Let us just understand, God, that we are saved by grace, Lord, and help us to walk in this newness of life, Lord, and stay dead to sin and alive in your Son, Yeshua. And we just thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory, and just I pray, God, that this word would go forth and minister, God, that you would speak to people's hearts, Lord, and that they would hear from you and hear from your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.